it was like buying, it reminded me of buying tickets to a really sought after concert. You go on to Ticketmaster and within minutes they're sold out and it's a battle to get anything. That was what it was like. DCL Duo fans, before we dive into tonight's episode, just two quick announcements. First, you can probably tell from the teaser trailer that the sound on this episode is going to be a little bit off. And actually, we had a microphone issue on our end as well that uh, as I got into editing, I realized only after the fact. And so I thought the content was worth sharing with you and so still wanted to put it out. So just bear with us on the sound quality. You can still understand everything. It's just uh, not as good as we would hope. Second thing is a little bit of a trigger warning. I titled this episode Tough Love for Disney Cruise Line. Steve is a first time cruiser the UK on Disney Cruise Line. He sailed on other lines. And I wanted to bring you his thoughts on Disney Cruise Line because he was good at sort of pointing out the compare and contrast between the cruise line and identifying some places where it fell down a little bit on his research, based on his research. And so I wanted you to hear that perspective. I'm sure several of you will be shouting at the car or throwing things at your radio or wherever you listen to your podcast. And that's okay. But we always think it's good to have diverse perspectives on the podcast. And so I wanted to bring you Steve's story. So with that, on to our episode. Welcome back, everybody. This week's a bonus episode of the DCL Duo podcast. And this evening, I'm excited to welcome all the way from the United Kingdom, Stee. Welcome, Stee. Glad to be speaking to you. Glad to have you on. And Stee is uh, coming on to talk about his family's experience on board the Disney Magic at one of the staycations at sea that sailed out of Liverpool. He was on the sailing on the 27th on a three-night cruise. And by all accounts, from our off-air conversations, Steve's got Steve's got some good and bad observations from the from the cruise, which we always love to hear. So I will preface that it's just going to be me today for all of you listeners out there. So you're stuck with Boreal O'Brien from the DCL duo. The other half of our duo is at an appointment with our son today. So, but let's dive right in. Steve, can you um, can you talk to folks about what your cruising experience has been up until now? Which cruise lines you've sailed on, and how many you've taken, and whether you have any prior experience with Disney Cruise Line? Yeah, absolutely. So this was our fifth cruise. We started, oh, 2013, just me and my wife at the time. It wasn't really something, I'll be honest, that I was ever overly drawn to doing. I always wanted to go to Las Vegas, and you know, my wife fancied a cruise. So we said, well, all right, well, let's, we'll do Vegas first, because well, it's what I wanted to do, and then we'll do the cruise afterwards. Uh, went to Vegas, loved it, ended up going three or four times in the next four or five years. And then the we broke our cruising duck on Celebrity in the Caribbean in 2013. And from five seconds after stepping on board a cruise ship, I was absolutely smitten. Uh, and I've been ever since. So, yeah, first cruise was with Celebrity around the Caribbean. Very, very, very different experience to Disney. We've cruised five times, never with the same line twice. We should have done, but the pandemic kind of put pay to that. So the second cruise we did was with Royal Caribbean when we had our, uh, one child at the time, my little girl, who was um, just turned one, I think, at the time when we did that. We then went with MSC. By, by then, we had two kids. And our fourth cruise was with P&O, which are uh, a, a very British cruise line. We, we, we had a couple more, but we had a Norwegian Fjords, but with MSC, and a Transatlantic, but with MSC, both of which were cancelled due to the pandemic. We always were intrigued, I suppose, by Disney cruises, but there's a couple of reasons why we'd never really looked at it more than a fleeting look up to now. One, we tend to cruise for longer. 
we are sort of 10 to 14 night, most of the time, holiday cruise type of people. When we looked at Disney, especially in the Caribbean, a lot of them seemed to be quite short. When they came over to Great Britain, the times didn't really suit for our school holidays. And the other reason is that Disney also come across as being tremendously expensive compared to others that we've been on. But the pandemic being what it was, this time Disney decided to come to me. So it was the perfect opportunity to give it a go, we felt. Let's let's dive right in with kind of your experience with this this sailing. Uh, let me start by asking who, who who went with you. It was you, your wife, and your your two children. It, it was yeah. Um, my three children are seven and four. What was the booking experience and the the, the booking check in and you know kind of getting to the port, getting on the ship? How was that experience for you and your family? I'll be honest, the booking process was absolutely hellish. Uh, if, if, I'm, if I'm honest. Quite unusual, really, I suppose, with Disney. It was very different to other cruise lines that we've been on before, where usually there's a day where it goes on sale and bump, you can, everyone goes and books it. Obviously, this was different by the fact it was massively reduced capacity at the time. We were aware of the date that we could make a booking, but obviously Disney has this priority period of time where various grades of previous cruisers can book in advance, which take a lot of the cabins up. And also this uh, very strange arrangement that we're not used to over here, where you can book a room without paying any sort of deposit. I think they called it a holding process. That is unheard of, really, for, for me. I've never come across any holiday that allows you to do that without paying a deposit. But the day we went on sale, um, we, we knew when I was ready, and I booked the morning off work to do it. And it was due to go on sale at 9 o'clock UK time. At 9 o'clock UK time, I was online, and I also rang the call center, which rings through to you guys in America. And when I went on, all the inside cabins, which, to be honest with you, we sort of set ourselves a budget of 1,600 to 2,000 pounds, which for three days cruising is, is a huge amount of money anyway. But we said as a one-off, we will do it. The only room we could afford in that budget would have been the inside cabin. They were all sold out. I couldn't believe it. There wasn't a single sailing anywhere at the time where they were available but I sort of stuck with it you know I rung through and it took about 50 minutes to get through on the phone and we kept refreshing the website and so on and so forth and what I kept finding was every so often a room would flash up as available and you get in quick and you'd start to get it booked and then it'd go and you'd be too late and I just kept trying that believing eventually my luck would come in and one thing I would say I joined a Facebook group for these, which were which was created by a group of very seasoned Disney cruisers. Not something I usually do Facebook, but it was really useful for this because I wouldn't have had a clue what to do and where to look without it. And what they were saying was they actually went on sale an hour and a half early, unannounced. So instead of being on sale at nine o'clock here, they actually went on sale at seven thirty and it didn't look so but you know, eventually it did take a two or three hours of that morning, but we did manage to snag the room that we a room that we wanted you know an inside room for i think it was 1850 pounds ish which probably works out about two thousand three hundred dollars maybe in your money but yeah it the only time i've ever really had to it was like buying it reminded me of buying tickets to a really sought after concert you go on to Ticketmaster, and within minutes they're sold out and it's a battle to get anything that was what it was like well, your experience echoes that of a guest we had on prior who said that you know, I think she was on for like an entire day trying to find uh, rooms and just constantly kind of swapping back and forth. 
with what would become available to get closer and closer to what she wanted. So Disney's infamous for uh, terrible IT. So uh, yeah, um, what about the the check in process and just the general experience kind of at the at the port? Did the check in process go smoother for you, or was that also kind of a headache from a from a technical perspective? Well, the, I mean, again, no, again, it was to be honest, the check in procedure was even worse i think we fell foul of an it failure that morning so again there was we were on probably about the fourth sailing i think one of the early problems that people had found was disney had correctly limited availability for things like the theater kids club bibbidi bobbidi boutique all these different things that people wanted to do that the ability to do it were much more limited than usual and you had to book these things at the point of checking in and obviously there was a scramble for getting an early port arrival time and so on and so forth and you know it, it came to be that the time we had to do that was five o'clock in the morning in uk time which was fine you know set the alarm early and get up and do it Right on time at five o'clock, went in and managed to get a seat for the show, which is a big part of when we go on cruises, we wanted to see the show. So we did that. We got some kids club slots booked. We then tried to book in to get a port arrival time. And it just when all hell broke loose, really, it, the IT just fell apart on that day. And I think I, I was online trying from five o'clock in the morning till I probably gave up at about dinner time, which would be 12 o'clock to us lunch if you want to call it that it's good by that time you've done seven hours of refreshing getting to certain bits crashing not being able to upload passport photos and i believe at two o'clock in the afternoon our time disney's it get to work over in the states there must have been an issue because then from four o'clock we got word that you could check in and once you could do that it was okay uh, but yeah that that panicking trying to get on to get a decent time getting on the ship and whatever you was uh was quite stressful. And then we had the, um, everything that went with test results, which is almost another booking in procedure with uh, the company Prenetics that they've used um, to provide proof of vaccination, proof of this, addresses, you know, photographs of each other. And in fairness, that wasn't too bad. A lot of people seemed to struggle with that. We didn't. But compared to any other holiday I've ever done before, absolutely crazy. But you have to give a little bit of understanding that we're in crazy times at the minute. Interestingly, you mentioned booking seats for the show, and I know that completely changed out from under you by the time the cruise rolled around, right? Because they just sort of allowed, uh, they ran the same show multiple times and just seated people, right? It did, yeah. We'll get back to that when you ask me about when we're on the ship, because that, that, was, that, was, that was a frustration. <laughs> well, um, the day arrives. How was, uh, how was everything at the port for you? Was that hopefully a little bit smoother getting on board the ship? Yes, it was. Um, I- I was quite impressed, to be honest, because it it was always going to be difficult because we were on one of the early cruises and we were still learning. Liverpool isn't really built for checking in that many passengers. We we live very close to Liverpool. We live in a a small town called Runcorn, which is about half an hour away from Liverpool. And sometimes I go down and see the cruise ships, like the, the magic goes into Liverpool, but never to board people. It's always to let them off, go and see all the Beatles stuff and everything that Liverpool has, but... We don't really check in thousands of guests there. It's not built for it at the minute. So it had to create that ability by using the arena, which is located right next to the cruise port. And we, we, only got, we got there on our port arrival time, which was fine. We queued for probably half an hour to get to the bit where you do your lateral flow test, uh, what we call it here. You know, you, you test before you board, board the ship, basically. The rapid COVID test. Yeah, that was a little bit, 
frustrating. Not Disney's fault. It was the contract of Predatrix that they'd hired to do it on their behalf that they, they weren't really sure how to use the IT systems properly. It was very manual. You know, the, the, the lady doing it struggled uploading the information. So it took a bit of time. I don't think that was a universal experience. I think we saw three or four people go through in the very next towards in the time that it took us to get through. In general, yeah, I can't complain. It was handled quite well. And then once you, you know, you're panicking like mad that these results are going to come back positive, because at the time, COVID over here had absolutely exploded again. Touch wood, we didn't. You know, we all got on. And then, then the sort of fun starts. You go through to the other side and you, you check in and the kids get their wristbands for the kids' club. And then you get on the bus. And th- So there was a bus from the arena to the cruise terminal. Again, it's not something you'd usually do. You'd usually go to the terminal, check in, and you're away. Liverpool can't facilitate that. It's not big enough. Um, and it took about an hour to do that short journey. It's about a quarter of a mile, but there's a lot of... In, in where the cruise terminal is in Liverpool, between the terminal and the arena, I think they are trying to make that road more pedestrianised to allow for more cruise traffic. And also, however you were, however aware you are of football over here, uh, the team Everton are having a new stadium built also in that same place at the minute. So the, the traffic was extremely busy, but we got there. You know, it, it took about two, two and a half hours, which I think was acceptable given the circumstances. Yeah, and how was, uh, so I mean, the big moment walking on the ship is usually kind of one of those hallmark moments of any Disney cruise, and they sort of announce your family name, and you get to see the atrium for the first time. Was that a magical moment for your family? Did you enjoy it? It was, yeah, it was great. I, I accidentally learned that that was going to happen on Facebook, which um, I, I was trying to get my wife to film was walking on without telling her why it needed to be done. But yeah, it was, it was great. And, you know, you, you walk on and see Mickey and Minnie on the stairs for the first time. And it's like meeting a movie star when you see the characters. We're not, we've never been to Florida or anywhere. Like I've been to Euro Disney in the past, but for a long, long time. And it was great walking on and seeing that and getting announced and so on, but what have you. Yeah, they, they were sort of putting you on in small groups, obviously, because of social distancing and so, and so on. And we, we were the first group i suppose of about 10 groups at a time that they do and yeah we walked on welcome to the big little family everyone starts clapping and mickey and minnie are kind of on the stairs that come down to lumiere's restaurant front door and they're clapping and dancing and then then whenever when they fill the atrium with about 10 groups they come down and do the little welcome on board dance Let's get into some sort of broad categories in your thoughts. First up, I suppose, is uh, stateroom. You booked an inside stateroom, and how was that for you and your family? I couldn't tell you because we didn't end up in one. So when we got to the cruise terminal and we were checking in, and they say name and stateroom number, we gave them our name and stateroom number, and they were saying, we can't find your booking. So obviously at this point, your heart sinks and we're showing them the app and everything, and then the, the, the uh, Disney rep went away and said, let me just go and check something. And she come back and said, oh, your room number's changed. Well, that's straight. There's nothing on the app showing that. I've got no documentation or anything, no emails that suggest that. And she said, don't know why it's happened, but your room number's changed. We go to the room that we've been assigned, and there's no key. Everyone has key in the little fish to get into the room. Again, quite unusual for us. You usually get your key when you're checking in, but that's fine. It's not a problem except that there was no key there. Went to guest services. They said, oh, uh, show us your old room number. And I gave them the new room number that we were told we were. They're going, yep, you're definitely in that new number. I'll print you off some new keys. And I'll have to make sure your luggage comes to you because it's probably gone to the new room. 
And when we eventually got the keys and got in the new room, it was actually a, a veranda room. Uh, yeah, so they'd upgraded us two levels, you know, skipped. Forgive my uh, ignorance on the terminology. It'd usually be what you'd call an inside room with a window. Ocean view room, yeah, and to a balcony room, a the room, as Disney called it. You couldn't believe it. I mean, what I will say, we do usually stay in a balcony room, and this was probably the best one we've ever stayed in. It was so spacious. I loved the split bathroom. The biggest thing that cruise lines struggle with in, in the staterooms is the use of storage, and this had storage everywhere. The raised bed to get the cases under Loads of cupboards on the wall, great big wardrobes. It, it was great. It, the, the stateroom was faultless. Even the little things like the privacy curtain to separate, it essentially gave the kids a bedroom and us a bedroom. It was fantastic. You know, it was such a welcome surprise to get upgraded like that without even having to ask. Well, let's see. Next big category that I'd love to talk about is just the onboard activities. Did you get a chance to experience any of the onboard family activities? Let me start there. And what did you think? Uh, we did. So. It, it's quite quite strange in a way because obviously one of the things really on a cruise usually that makes cruising great we find is the, is the variety. It cases for all different tastes and what people like. It was very odd to us being on something that was one hundred percent Disney. Every activity was Disney. If there was a quiz, it was a Disney quiz. If there was a music, it was Disney music. If there was a film, it was Disney films. We like we're not. Disney diehards by any stretch of the imagination, but we do like Disney. We enjoy watching the films um, with the kids. So what did we watch? We watched a show called Sergeant Says with the little army guys out of Toy Story. The kids went to the kids' club uh, every day. They loved it in there. That was great. We we sat a couple of quizzes, uh, me and my wife, when the kids were in kids' club. I'll be honest, we are not well-versed up enough on Disney to really be able to take part properly because some people... You know, 40 questions that go Disney movies right back to the 30s and 40s and people are getting 20, 38, 39 of them right are in a completely different league to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Disney-related trivia on board can be pretty, pretty difficult, even for, I will say, even for Disney fans. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. So your kids enjoyed the Kids Club, though. That was a good experience for them? They did. They loved it. You're never quite sure, really, with Kids Clubs, whether they're going to take to it or not, but... We, we put them in on the first night for about half an hour because they, there was a bit of a change to the planned line. They had a, a Frozen show on the pool deck that was supposed to be on night two but got changed to night one. Uh, and we had a prearranged kids club booking because we wanted to watch Frozen. They were only were able to go about a half an hour, but they got a taste for it. They went every day. One day they went twice and, and they really did love it. Uh, again, it's quite different because usually in a kids club, you can go whenever you like pick them up wherever you like. There isn't really a structure. You know, they have times when things happen. Whereas this, you booked a slot. And when you went at that slot, it lasted for two hours. And in that two hours, they did something. And every time we went, they come away with pillowcases that they made or glued on pasta things. And uh, it, yeah, it was great. And But what they really liked, the characters went into the, the kids' club. And sometimes it was the characters that you didn't see around the ship, uh, like the next stitch in the kids' club who, who he, he never was on show anywhere else on the ship apart from the kids' club. Same with Woody from Toy Story. My little girl loved it one night when Cinderella went in and read them a bedtime story. So, yeah, top marks for the kids' club. They absolutely loved it. Nice, nice. You mentioned shows in there. So how did you find the stage shows on board the ship? 
I thought we watched the show. We were quite lucky in a way because we were supposed to have one show on this cruise that was shown multiple times to give everybody a chance. It it didn't seem to work out quite that way. There's a lot of problems with people booking the wrong show times or they were booking when their meal was and it, the inability to get tickets. That all went out the window by the time we got on the ship because the, the rules changed and Disney made it a bit more flexible. But what also happened, we got a bonus magician on night two that wasn't supposed to happen. So our, our three-night cruise followed the four-night cruise. And on the four-night cruise, the fourth night was a comedy magician. He stayed on. He must have been popular. Disney decided to keep him on the ship for our three-night cruise. So we got him on the Tuesday. Uh, sorry, the Tuesday, the, the, the second night of the three nights. So that was great. The show we saw was Dreams, and it was absolutely fantastic, mesmerizing. You know, we, we always watch the shows on cruise. It's a big part of what we do. And this was easily the best show on a cruise ship we've ever seen. Nice. Well, I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear that. Um... What other what other sorts of activities did you do on board before we move on to food? Was there any other activities that stood out that we haven't talked about? Yeah, uh, we, we were quite lucky, really, because the ship didn't really have to go anywhere at any certain time. It just tried to follow the sun. The, the, the weather at home when we went was dreadful. There was floods and all sorts, but you wouldn't believe it from on the ship. I mean, the one day, the weather was, it was scorching. You were sort of burning your feet walking around the pool deck, so we did get one good long full day out by the pool which was fine we only had three days and we said if we can get one day that was great so we tried all the pool slides and different pools and by there uh the little girl loved the yellow twisty slides uh forgive me i can't remember the actual name yeah no it's a, that's our son well we haven't been on the one on the magic but uh, our son loves the yellow twisty slides the twist and spout it might be that might yeah. be that yeah she was determined she was going to go on the aqua dunk Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, which you may or may not be aware. You stand in a little cubicle and the floor falls away from you and you disappear down a hole. I think that was probably my fault for telling her that's what happens. If I hadn't have done it, she probably would have gone on it. But in the end, she decided against it and I had to go myself. Pretty terrifying. But an amazing amenity to have on a cruise ship, you know, water slides to that degree. I thought the pool was great, you know, in comparison. By the time we got on, they'd abandoned the idea of booking slots on your phone, which was something of the earlier cruises. You basically just queued up. There was a short queue. Everyone got 15 minutes in, and you never really waited very long to have a go. It was lovely and warm. The water was heated. So even though it wasn't warm outside as such, it was the pool water was warm and it was not too deep you know it we, i was kind of at chest height in it which meant the kids could play in it with us we went on the piano britannia a few years ago and the pool most adults couldn't touch the floor you know i, I was on tiptoe trying to keep my head afloat in it and that's just a waste of time really you, you can't play or splash about in a pool like that but the pool on the magic was absolutely perfect for a cruise ship pool i thought <laughs> Hey, DCL Duo fans, we just need to take a quick pause in our conversation with Steve to thank our show sponsors, Touring Plans Travel. We use Touring Plans Travel to book our own fabulous Disney and Disney Cruise Line vacations, including our most recent vacation aboard the Disney Dream, and love the experience and service we get from our travel specialist at Touring Plans Travel. So if you are looking to book your next fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacation or Disney vacation and want to benefit from true experience and expertise and a travel agency that really puts the customer above selling you the experience, then head over to Touring Plans 
Plans travel. So just browse to touringplans.com slash travel. You can get a free quote. And if you decide to book with Touring Plans, let them know the DCL Duo sent you to help support the show. With that, I just want to thank Touring Plans Travel for sponsoring the show and back to our episode. Nice. Well, and it's, I think it's nice that they're limiting it right now. One of the complaints that typically we hear about uh, the Disney Cruise Line pools is just that they're overcrowded. So this period of time is kind of nice to experience the pool. Yeah, it's interesting you should say that. I was talking to one of the lifeguards from California, I believe, as I was queuing up to get in. And she was asking me, oh, have you been before? What do you think of the changes? And I said, well, I've not been on Disney before, but been on plenty of cruises. And I said, well, you know, she was trying to explain to me what some of the changes were. And she said, one of them is that the pool is usually a free-for-all. And she said, if this was the Caribbean, there'd be 70 people in there and you wouldn't be able to move. I think they limited it to 15, which gave you really opportunity to splash about. And she did say they get asked feedback from the cruise line about any changes that could become more permanent. And that is one that they've all agreed should be considered to limit the number of people that use the pool at any one time. Because it gives, it's a better experience for people using the pool. Food. We haven't talked about food. You uh, Rotational dining. What, what did you think about the food on board the ship? This was one of the areas that I expected better, I would say, with food. I think the rotational dining concept is great. But the food itself, the choice for adults, I thought, was really good. Uh, I was quite surprised about the size of the portions. I think the kind of you Americans, when we've been to America, been to Vegas plenty of times and we've been to New York. Um, quite a few times the portions of food in america usually beat me <laughs> it all ends up you know when we go out for a meal generally you have a three-course meal you have a starter bowl of soup whatever it may be and then a main which is your big meal and a dessert i got to the point in vegas where we were sharing a starter and a dessert because if you attempted to have all three on your own you couldn't do it um I was, I was quite surprised really that some of the portion sizes on the disney ship were quite small the food was very nice. You know, the, the food for the adults was very nice. It was on a par with some of the better cruise lines have been on. I don't think it was the best. It is not. It's not to the same standard as Celebrity, which blows anyone out of the water on food that we've been on so far. But it's a different offering. Um, you know, you're not really comparing like for like there. Where I was really disappointed for me was two places really. One was the choice of food available in the Cabana's buffet. Obviously, cruise ship buffets. They're usually massive. It was a big space, but what they did was they broke it up into sort of five or six little serveries, I suppose you want to call it, and give people their own little area. I didn't really see the reason to do that. It didn't make much of a difference. People still had to queue close to each other. People still sat close to each other in a sort of group of 20. It was quite hard to explain if you'd not witnessed it before. But what it meant was the choice of food in there was really limited four or five things to pick from and staples for kids like hot dogs burgers pizza weren't available in there so you wanted something like that which kids always eat you've got to go out to the pool and get it you can't have it in cabanas which then means you've got to split your meals up that wasn't great we only went there on the first day um, when when we got on board because that's traditionally what you do on a cruise straight to the buffet i think we went there one other time um aside from that we tended to eat by the pools and I think the choice of kids' food in the main restaurant was really disappointing as well. You, there was one restaurant, you couldn't get pizza and chips. The others two did have it. But I think there was two or three things to pick from on the kids' menu. And of the two or three, two of them probably not really what British children eat as a standard meal. You know, they, there's always safe havens like chicken nuggets and chips, pizza and chips, sausage and beans, 
che- little cheeseburgers, all sorts of things. Um, you know, there was macaroni cheese was always one, not a traditional British meal, which is fine because it's an American cruise line, but it's fine if there's a, a range of other things they could pick from and there wasn't. And again, I thought that I thought the quality of the kids' food was not great. I think each night they ended up having pizza and chips. One night the server had to get it from a different restaurant for us because it wasn't on the menu. But it, you know, they looked like frozen veg and probably like microwave style Chicago town pizzas cut into small slices. It's a minor thing, really. You know, they ate it, they enjoyed it, but it 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 wasn't close to the choice of food we've had for kids elsewhere on, on other cruise lines. And I think while we're on the sort of dining experience, something else where I felt a little bit undersold by from all the research had done was the interaction that we had with our serving team. You know, we were led to believe that, it, you know, you have a great relationship and they'll be doing magic tricks and all sorts of stuff. We didn't get any of that, to be honest. We, you know, we, beyond asking us what food and drink we wanted, there wasn't really anything else. You know, there was no relationship form there especially with the kids it was you know what food would you like what drink would you like that's about it you know and you know then at the end of the meal tomorrow we're eating in such and such a place but you know a lot of people and it obviously does happen because even now when you look on the facebook groups people become really close to their serving team we just didn't get that you know they were just like normal restaurant waiters who take your order bring you food and then go to the next person yeah, that's disappointing to hear because I, I do think that the usual experience with the serving team is pretty good. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe you had a newer team or something. So that's, yeah, but that's uh, that's that's disappointing because that's usually a place where Disney shines uh, for sure. Did you try any of the adult experiences on board with two kiddos in tow? That can be pretty tough. But I did. I don't know if you had a chance to try out any of the uh, the adult uh, bars or, or shows or anything like that. Well, not really. No, I mean. Uh- uh, looking through the daily activity planner really seemed to be a lot that caught my eye in terms of adult entertainment. Uh, again, I'd probably be interested to know from seasoned Disney cruisers how adults are kept so entertained throughout the day and night because from what I was reading, there wasn't the usual sort of stuff it seemed to be that adults would go to on a cruise ship. What I would say that was quite disappointing, on the last day that the kids were in the kids' club, I went for a walk around and I, I found the cold cafe by the adults only pool and i sort of popped my head in it's like oh this is the adults only bar and found the gorgeous little cakes and treats they have out there and uh, grabbed a load of them i wish i'd found it sooner because it was on the last night of the last day so that looked like that looked like a nice space but no we didn't really in terms of adult only stuff we didn't do anything but what i would say from what i was looking at i didn't feel like i missed anything either we, we would have liked to have done the paolo food experience um you know we like a good meal we never would have stood a chance anyway because it was fully booked long before we would ever ever had access to it but there wasn't really anything that we looked at and thought you know would like to have done that aside from the kids because nothing on the daily activity planner really stood out for us what else steve what else uh what else haven't we talked about on the cruise that uh, that stood out for you? There's, you know, obviously there's shopping. We've hit shows, we've hit food, we've hit stateroom. But is there anything else that, that stood out for you on the cruise that you wanted to share? We did go shopping. Um, we went to the gift shops. That they seem to have really upset a lot of people on the staycations. It was always going to be something for us that you know the kids had birthday money and holiday money that the family had given to them. They had a hundred pound each to spend, and the, the gift shops were massive. But I expected them to be more like a Disney store type shop. It wasn't really. They were very focused on clothes. There was loads and loads of clothes you could buy. But 
it, my little girl bought a, a variety of dolls and my son bought there was a lot more stuff in there for girls than boys i've got a four-year-old lad and he bought an iron man um kind of figure and a pirate set and even with money left over there was nothing really else, nothing else really he could spend it on uh, but there was loads of stuff for girls but a lot of the noises and reviews from other people is that the gift shop has been quite disappointed. I don't know what a lot of this stuff is that the people buy these particular spirit jerseys. Yeah. And other, other Disney fanatical memorabilia, um, which I believe the struggle to keep up with the demand on, on this, they, they did have to limit some stuff to two per customer. Cause I believe on the early cruises, people were buying on mass, probably with a view to selling them online when they got home. Well, some things when by the time we got there were limited to two per customer, but it was it was fine. It, it was fine. There was there seemed to be a lot of people quite disappointed with it. We weren't one of them, you know. I we bought everything we wanted. We bought Christmas decoration. We bought fridge magnets. The kids bought the toys. We bought a photo album so we could make a cruise specific photo album. I mean, the one thing we haven't talked about, which I thought was absolutely brilliant, was the characters. We weren't really sure what we were going to get, how many we were going to get to see. They were everywhere. Endless amounts of character. You couldn't go anywhere really without seeing them. They're always in the atrium, always on the stairs, always walking around, always by the pools. They were in the theatre, they were in the cinema, so you could walk past and have your photos taken with them. That was great because I know from you know, my family really enjoy going to Florida, but they say you can queue for four or five hours sometimes to see a Disney princess. And here, they were just there. You know, you'd walk past them in the, you know, or they'd come out of the lift when you were there. And it was like seeing celebrities, you know, a grown man, but so excited at the sight of seeing Goofy. You know, they had, there was one day, they had a Marvel at Sea Day, which my little lad loved because he, he's got into Marvel. And they took turns, the characters did, individually on the stage in the Fathoms Bar. And basically, you stood in a spot about two metres away from them, but they talked to you. You know, they gave, every, they gave everyone who queued up. The queue was tiny. I say you queue, it's sort of five minutes but they'd give you five minutes of talking to them on on your level and taking pictures. And we got pictures with uh, Thor and Captain Marvel and Spider-Man. And that was great to be able to do that. Did the kids love that? Fathomless Bars just reminded me of something else, actually, that we did do one day to pass the time. It was brilliant. We played bingo. So we played Disney bingo. I think it was $40 to play for the four of us, but we got six games for that or something. And it was cash prizes as well. So you don't really mind as much, but, that was great. The that really was a good show. The bingo was dead lively. They got all the room going. Really fun hour and a half, two hours way to pass the time. For I thought forty dollars was very very reasonable, to be honest. To to play it, that was when we found out that soft drinks aren't free at the bar. We believed that soft drinks were free everywhere on the ship, and so we went to the bar in there and we found out they weren't. You've got to go up to the pool or the buffet to get one. I thought the price of drinks on the ship was bordering on extortion. Uh, to be honest, it, the it's great that they give soft drinks away with your meal and by the pool because that takes a lot out of the price of the spending money. But a few times with alcoholic drinks, like a, just a couple of glasses of wine with our meal, I think was $25 by the time you added on things like the automatic tip and what have you. You know, that's a huge amount of money for two small glasses of wine. Yeah, over here, I think we're used to paying a lot on the cruise lines. Disney actually ranks uh, not terribly in terms of its pricing for the alcohol on at least the side of the pond. But um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're quite right. Uh, you know, the Royal Caribbean and Celebrity were both the same. Luckily, on both of those, we had drinks packages, which I know Disney don't do. 
So you don't notice it really. You're aware that it's there, but you don't bother because you kind of already paid for it. Well, let me ask this. You mentioned Vegas up front. You mentioned playing some bingo. I got to ask one question for a first time cruiser on Disney Cruise Line, which was no casino on board. Is that something that you ended up missing or were you you know, happy that it wasn't there? I didn't miss the casino. I, I also wouldn't say I was happy that it wasn't there because I do like to go in the casino. You know, I'm not. Yeah, I like to play a bit of poker. Or I'll always go like on it when we're on the ships. Every night I'll have a, a go in, in the casino. It was strange you not being there. Um, I suppose for what it is, which this is clearly a much more family and fun orientated crew than never been on before. I can see why they don't do it. Did I miss it? No. Would I miss it on a longer cruise? Yeah, probably. If, if I'm being honest, you know, we, we had a lot to cram in in three days. But if I was on it for two weeks, I think I would have missed the casino not being there. How was uh, how was disembarkation? Uh, that usually can be a bit of a headache. I'm hearing rumors that maybe it's a little smoother right now uh, with the sort of the offboarding times that you have to select and that sort of thing. But but how was disembarkation for you? Absolutely fine. We we simply grabbed our suitcases and walked off the ship and got picked up by my father-in-law. A two-minute walk away from the ship itself. Um, it, you know, there, it, I suppose it depends on what your mode of transport is in a way, because you know there were some people who would have been getting coaches or trains to the likes of Scotland and South Wales, four, five, six-hour journeys. We're thirty minutes away, so we could walk off and and go, you know, without any bother whatsoever. So yeah, you know, no complaints. It, it was absolutely fine. So overall, Steve, how did the cruise land with you? I, 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 it sounds like you're you're landing in a place called for the money. It didn't meet your family's expectations, but I'm just curious: would you recommend Disney Cruise Line to someone else, or would you sail on it again? We obviously talked about all this stuff afterwards uh, when you have time to sort of settle down. We, I don't want to come across as really negative because we loved it while we were on board. We really did. We really looked looked forward to it immensely, and we enjoyed every minute of it. We could have easily stayed on. And, and done it for a week. Value for money, do I think it's there? In comparison to what we've paid elsewhere, being honest, no. I think Disney's quite a way off. It can charge that because it's Disney and it has that captive audience. What I would say was £1,800 when we got put into the balcony made it a lot sweeter. Would we recommend it? We already have. You know, We've said to our family when we got home, who, you know, we have some real Disney enthusiasts. Should they do the staycations again? We should go as a, as a family and experience them because, like I say, you know, these, they go to Florida regularly and it's a very different experience for them. And it, I'm sure it will be different next time if Disney do, decide to do them again where they can uh, sort of get up and hug the characters and so on and so forth. So, yeah, we would do one again, but it, it all depends on the price and the length of time. The staycations are fine. You know you're going to go and it's three or four days, but then you get back to Liverpool and you're home, it's fine. But I wouldn't be paying. We looked when we got home. So, we'd, you know, let's have a look out of courtesy, really, to see where if we were going to do one again. And, you know, you look at the Caribbean for four nights and it's coming in at £6,000, say, for us. But then you've got to fly there on top of that. And then you've got your drinks and your gratuities and everything on top of that. Don't see that value, being brutally honest at the minute. From what we saw, I think it's generally too expensive. You, you can get a lot more from other cruise lines for can, much less money. And if you pay the same money, you could get the real high-end cruise experience elsewhere. But I don't want to sound overly negative there because once you get on, if you remove 
if you can forget what you've paid for it, the experience was great. <laughs> that's a hard separation to make for many, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> that's a tough. That's a tough mental divide to do. But I am curious. One last question here, Steve, which is just you know, throughout you you you've compared to celebrity, uh, and I think Disney charges the price it does on the theory that you know both look it's a it is a captive audience you're right there but also they they they, i think they try to sell it on the notion of luxury and service how would you compare the experience for a family on board celebrity versus a family on board disney from that standpoint and i'll just i'll interject and say we my wife and i have sailed celebrity before it's been a it's been a while since we've been on board we always found celebrities sort of skewed a little older in terms of the age demographics. And so we never really felt comfortable cruising there as a young couple or a young family. And so I'm just, I'm curious how, what your comparison would be in, in celebrities, obviously. So celebrity may have changed over time too for us. Yeah, well, it's, it's a good question. I can't really answer it in a sense because when we cruised with celebrity, we didn't have any children. What we did find though was the age on the celebrity ship in America, was very, very, very old. Um, compared, we were in our late twenties at the time, and I reckon the average age on the ship was sixty to eighty, probably ninety plus percent of the people on the ship. We kind of asked the question why we'd been our first cruise, and they were saying that like, it's different in America. You know, we don't have the level of paid holiday leave from work that we get over here, so it's hard for younger people to take two weeks off work to go on cruises or whatever. What truth is in that? I don't know. It's just how it is explained to us at the time. It's probably fairer to compare it to the others. Compared to P&O, Disney knocked spots off it for families. We didn't have a good family experience on P&O whatsoever, despite the fact it marketed itself towards families. Compared to Royal Caribbean and MSC, throwing them all in the hat, they all have different offerings. As much as my little girl loved Disney's Kids Club, she didn't love it as much as the MSC one. Probably the most effort we've ever had made. You know what I was saying about the servers earlier on, the relationship you build with them? Nothing has come close to Royal Caribbean in that sense, in terms of with the children. They were, they were faultless. They were, they were superb. Luxury-wise and food-wise, Celebrity wins any cruise line we've been on so far. In terms of the attention paid and the experience as kids and a family, Royal Caribbean probably shades it for me at the minute. But having said that, I am aware that it could be different on Disney in non-COVID times. There's probably things that they can't do um, in a short space of time with social distancing and what have you. And again, I don't want to come across as it was bad because it wasn't. It was just different. But again, I suppose comparing it pound for pound, as we would say, if you're... Disney was more expensive than any of the others we've ever done before. Yeah, that's where that's where I don't quite get it. For what you pay, I didn't feel I felt it lacked compared to others in a lot of areas for that money. If that makes sense, it's so hard to say. I, I, I feel like I'm putting a dampener on it when I'm not really because we did love it when we were there, and you're microanalyzing things. But I think with Disney, it's justified because it's Disney and this giant brand. And you've paid a lot of money for it. Where else really would you pay two thousand pounds plus? We spent five hundred on the ship for three days. It's still it's still a lot of money. Ultimately, I think that the final question: Would you do one again? Yes, we would. If the price was right, means that yeah, because there is cruise lines we've done where we haven't said that. You know, we we wouldn't rush to do a P and O cruise again, but we would do Disney if things fell into place like school holidays and the money was right. 
Yeah, no, it's a fair, it's fair comparison. And I look, I'll say this honesty is not negativity. And I think we say this on our show all the time, Disney Cruise Line, you know, excels for certain people. And sometimes it doesn't excel for others. And, you know, it's not the vacation that everyone is going to choose, obviously. So and and we find there are times when Disney just doesn't live up to our full (laughs) expectations either. So it's better to know, know, the spots, as you put it, you know, going in can make some, I think, make some decisions. My wife and I are planning to try out a Norwegian cruise line. I think we were supposed to do it next year, but we've pushed it out a year for a cruise to Alaska. And yeah, I think it's always just good to know what else is out there. So I think drawing the comparisons. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's quite unusual. Like we, we said it earlier, obviously, you go on a cruise a lot of the time. One of the things that people love is variety. You don't get that. It's not a cruise in that sense. It, it's everything is kind of Disney. But what I would say, uh, I would imagine most people that go on Disney cruises are Disney enthusiasts. And there was a lot of Disney enthusiasts on the ship from children through to adults. We are not Disney enthusiasts. You know, we like it, but we don't live our lives by Disney. You could see there's a lot of people that do. And from reading Facebook, there's a lot of people that do. And I think for those people, this must be like a dream coming true. You know, you could you could tell the people who it really touched, who were the massive Disney fans. And it's great that that's there for them. Um, I think. Disney magic coming over it. And I mean, so many cruises as well, you know, it's probably doing about 30 or 40 different sailings by the time it leaves Tilbury, which I think is the last one. And it was only the second or third cruise staycation that had started by that point. So it's, it will have attracted a lot of people who A, have never cruised before, B, have never cruised Disney before, and C, probably aren't big Disney fans, but were just desperate to get a holiday. Look after those different varieties of people when you're probably used to just having to deal with Disney fans who are maybe not so critical. I think they did a great job of covering uh, a much more difficult audience, if that would be the right word, than what they're used to doing. Well, essentially, it feels like this was kind of a, a strategy on their part to maybe introduce Disney cruising to some more folks in the UK. And in some cases, I suspect they've made some converts and in some others, uh, perhaps not. So. Um, yeah, interesting and an interesting time to give it a shot. So anyway, Steve, I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing your opinions uh, about Disney Cruise Line, your experience on board. It's it's always helpful to have folks who have experienced some other things and uh, can share that. So thank you so much for taking the time today. You're very welcome. I enjoyed it. Well, did you manage to stick it out through the whole episode without uh, without breaking your car stereo or whatever you listen to your podcast on? Um, you know, look, I think Steve actually has a very balanced opinion about this, and lots of cruisers out there are pretty price sensitive, and many of them look at Disney Cruise Line and say, "I could take two or three cruises for the price of one cruise on Disney Cruise Line." And you know, when that's the case, the, you expect and demand a, the highest level and quality of food, service, everything. So you know, if it falls down, it, it's hard to uh, to bring people back, and it sounds like. Steve had a few experiences or, you know, not totally in line with what we've experienced on Disney Cruise Line and what some of our guests have experienced, but, you know, it was his experience. And so I think it was good to uh, to hear that and also to hear his comparison to some other cruise lines that he sailed. And at the end of the day, he would go back if the price was right. And so that, that's not a negative review of Disney Cruise Line. It's just a realistic review. So with that, I do want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening to the bonus episode this week. As always, please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us those five-star reviews. They're really helpful for us to see, and we love getting the feedback from our listeners, and we also love reading them on the air each week on our main episode. So 
If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. Or you can head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. Just browse to youtube.com slash dclduo. Our Alani video is finally up, so head over there, check it out. We want to hear people's feedback on it. So the DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed in the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney Cruise or a Disney Vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Thank you.